The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Good morning. We're a couple days from Christmas. Are you ready? Ooh, I heard a no out there. If you've got your Bibles, uh, Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to start. So grab those and turn those on. If you don't have a Bible or you need a Bible, you can raise your hand on up. We've got some of those that are going to be passed out and coming around. So if you need one, just hold your hand up like this and we'll hand you one of those. If you don't own a Bible, uh, please take that one with you. Take, uh, take one off the shelf back there. It's our gift to you. Uh, read it. Know it. Uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word. And so uh, that's the best way to hear the voice of God is through the Word. Um, three weeks ago... So we're in week number four now. Uh, We started this Advent season. Uh, And Advent just simply means coming. I know that I've explained that three or four times, but uh, if you're a guest with us or if you're new with us today, uh, Advent just simply means coming. It means arrival. And really, it's the arrival of something very, very significant. And so we come in to celebrate, even through Christmas, uh, the arrival or the coming of the Savior of the world, which is the greatest news that we could ever know. And so uh, we're starting to prepare our hearts, asking God to reveal to our hearts as we move into uh, what we Americanize Christmas, uh, into uh, our hearts to say, what is this ultimately about? And so last week we began to talk about uh, the promises that come through God uh, as he promises redemption to all of his people. And so we talked last week of how the prophets and Abraham and uh, Moses and all of the prophets begin to prophesy that redemption is coming. The promise is coming. And then we saw last week that the promise ultimately is fulfilled in the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who the world has been longing for since the beginning. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and fulfills all the promises that God has made from the beginning in Jesus Christ. And so here here we go. Let me just tell you, there is no family experience. There's no gift that you can receive There's uh, nothing that you can do around the dinner table. There's nothing you can do with aunts and uncles and grandparents. There's no experience that's going to be greater or better or has more opportunity for joy and life other than knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen, right? I mean, there's nothing bigger. There's no better gift than that in this season. And so today, I've asked God to open our hearts so that we would see that he is ultimately the greatest gift of all. And so look in Acts chapter 3. This is uh, Peter speaks, um, and he's talking to uh, Jewish people. He's talking to Israel. All right, and so uh, the promises ultimately are made to Israel, but it goes beyond Israel, and we're going to see that in this text. And so this is a little bit about what we were talking about last week. This is Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading in verse 22. Are you there? Okay, one person's there. Everybody else there? All right. Here we go. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from your brothers. And so, and so Moses is saying to the people, there is a prophet that's coming like me, like Moses. Uh, what kind of prophet was Moses? We talked a little bit about it, but Moses was a deliverer. He was one who was in the wilderness, right? And then God appears to him, speaks to him, and he says, hey, go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let the people go. Deliver them out of slavery, out of bondage, out of, out of oppression, and deliver them to the promised land. And so a prophet like Moses, a deliverer of the people, is coming. 
And it shall be that every soul, I'm sorry, let me back up. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers, and you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet, namely Jesus the Messiah's coming, shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have been spoken from Samuel to those who came after him, so all the prophets say, yeah, that's true, proclaim these days. What days? The days that the Messiah would come. Would suffer, die, raise again. He's talking about the prophets told about these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham. Here, here we go. And in your offspring shall all the families of earth be what? Okay, so he's not just simply now talking to Israel or the Jewish people. Now he's saying through this Messiah, through this coming, actually all the families of all the earth shall ultimately be blessed. So now all of a sudden it opens the gates to everyone on the planet and God shall raise up his servant and set him, send him to you first, meaning you Jews, to bless you and by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now the passage that God's blessing is, is mentioning really twice in this passage, one is to Israel and the second one is to everyone else on earth. There's a blessing. That's good news, guys. Right, there is a blessing that comes through the birth of the Messiah, the life, the death, the resurrection of the Messiah's coming to redeem all things. There is a blessing that comes to all the people. Through him, every family shall be blessed. So God says, he says, hey, look, I promise blessing. And God keeps his promises. Amen? I mean, he doesn't know how not to be faithful. He's always faithful. And so he says, I promise blessing, and the blessing to all the people is yes in Jesus Christ. And so he says, I'm sending my son, blessing to all the people. And and, and hear me, this passage, that includes you. You right here in this room today. That blessing includes you and me today. There is a blessing that comes through Jesus sending his, uh, Jesus coming and dying for us that we receive here 2,000 years later. Now, I want to spend some time here because uh, so much of the world doesn't really understand blessing, right? I, I mean, I mean uh, we talk to people and say, hey, h- how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Oh, yeah? T- tell me about that. Oh, yeah, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a, a, a nice job. You know, I just got a raise or a promotion or I got that job, right? I'm like, wow, that, that is a blessing, right? And so, oh, man, I'm so blessed. And, and I got here. My car didn't break down. The check engine light's on, but it, it's, it's not on the side of the road. I mean, I got here. I am blessed, right? And then uh, I got a family coming in. That's a blessing. And I've got food on my table. That's a blessing. I got a roof over my head. That's a blessing, right? And so we would say things like, uh, I'm blessed. But, but I, I need to understand what ultimately is the blessing that Jesus brings to us today. Because is that the blessing that God is talking about? Or is there something greater? There's something greater. Okay, and so here, here we go. Uh, go to Ephesians chapter 1. So Ephesians is the New Testament. You're going to turn uh, this way. That would be to the left, I guess. Uh, turn to the left and go to Ephesians chapter 1. Or for you have those uh, new Bibles, you scroll Probably this way, like that. 
what does Jesus' coming, Jesus' life, the Messiah arriving to us, what kind of blessing is that? Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now I want to stop right there because he uses the word blessed. But when we think of blessing, what do we think of? What do you think of when you think of blessing? I think of giving favor to. And so if you pray a blessing over somebody, you're going to say, Lord, uh, give favor to them. All right? Or when I think of a blessing, I'm thinking uh, maybe some type of uh, prosperity or some type of protection or, or making some type of intervention. But, but hear me. He says, bless God. Which means, listen, you can't bless God that way. You can't ask God to have more favor because God already has all the favor, right? You can't ask God for, to have more protection on God because God's not in need. Are you with me? Like he's not lacking in any way. And so, and so when we say bless God, we're not saying, God, uh, you're lacking and so somehow I'm going to bless you because I don't have anything that God doesn't all rightly stand over and say, that's mine anyway. You're tracking with that. And so this blessing is not just simply uh, bless God. This is, oh, praise God. Thank God. How great are you, God? So he says, he says, celebrate God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless him, appraise him, celebrate him, make much of him, glorify him. He's great and he's worthy because he has infinitely overwhelming value. And so we're not adding value when we say bless God. We're saying, oh, it's great. Oh, it's already great. So why? Why would, he, why would he say bless God? Why would he say praise God? Why would, he, why would he say with such an outburst of praise, hey, we should bless God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this, because it finishes it. Who, give me that word, has. He has, like already. Right? Like he has blessed us in Christ. And so he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, because he's given us Christ, because he sent Jesus to us, because of Christmas, we can say we are united with Christ. By faith, we come to know the Savior of the world. That's every spiritual Blessing. Every blessing comes through Jesus Christ. All of God's blessing from God to man comes in and through Jesus. Every blessing. And so what are these blessings, all right? Because I, I, I want to I know that. I want to know what the blessings are. Well, look, look at with me uh, in verse 4. Here's the blessing. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world... That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Now listen to me. Deep down, every one of us has a desire to be wanted. Don't we? I mean, every one of us has a desire to be made much of, have a desire to be loved, 
and cherished and wanted. Listen, what this text just said is that in Christ, before the manger, before the promise, before Abraham, before it all, God in his heart was anticipating the day in which he would make you his. Before the foundations of the world, he was there anticipating, wanting, and longing that your heart would be opened in such a way that he says, you are mine. That's before it all. It says before the foundations of the world, he was wanting you. He was wanting you. He loved you. He anticipated that Jesus would come, but he also anticipated the day that you would become his. How many of you uh, have bought at least one Christmas present so far this season? Okay, there's a few hands not up. How, How many of you are expecting to receive at least one Christmas present this season? Okay, that should be all the kids also, all right? Hopefully. Um, I am in great anticipation of my children opening some gifts. I love that. You guys love that? I I love that. I I anticipate. I also anticipate maybe opening a gift. Just saying. Maybe you got me something. (laughs) I can open it now if you want. (laughs) Just bring it on up. Nobody, okay. Uh, maybe, Maybe Christmas. So um, I, I have this anticipation that when I give uh, my kids something, they will, uh, they will love it and it will be cherished and it will be great. But here's what I know, is every gift you either give or receive will one day wind up in the trash. Every gift. And you're like, no, 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 there's some that are timely. No, it, it will either wind up in the ground with you or in a landfill down the road from you. Every gift. Listen, I don't care what it is. Uh, you remember back in the day, I'm showing my age right now, but you remember back in the day the Cabbage Patch Kid phenomena? Right? I mean, there, there were people fighting and pulling, and it, it was crazy. I mean, I was a kid then, so I didn't really get it. But I look back on it now. Like, Cabbage Patch, what's the deal? Listen, who has a Cabbage Patch Kid now? Three of you. <laughs> right? And so listen. Listen, one day, it's gone. Tickle Me Elmo will run out of batteries. Hopefully sooner than later. One, one day, every gift will be thrown away. Whether it's a couple months from now or a couple years from now, it's going to wear out. It's going to break. The wheel's going to fall off. It's going gonna, it's gonna to de- deconstruct. All right? So every gift is on its way to the junkyard. But here's the deal. God the Father says that before the foundation of the world, he had such an anticipation of the gift of himself to you, giving you every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, that that your heart would be awakened to his grace in such a way that that gift is eternal. It never runs out. Because before you were, he was anticipating, and even now that you are, he's anticipating even more that the gift brings to you. And it says, before anything ever happened, God the Father was saying, I want you, I desire you, I want to give you the greatest gift, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and it all comes through Jesus. Now, now some of you, this is a hard concept for you. I know it is for me that God chose me 
How many of you admit that's kind of, that's kind of tough? That God chose me before the foundations of the world that he was wanting me. He wanted me so much that he wanted to adopt me before the foundation of the world. It's so difficult for us to handle because you still believe that you earned something before God. You still believe the lie that somehow we can earn our favor before God. Like I could be good enough for God to actually be pleased. We, we have this lie in our head, in our heart so much that God somehow will finally love me when I clean myself up. That God will finally cherish me or think me as lovely if I finally start walking this way or talking this way or maybe going to church or doing something that maybe God would love me finally when I do right and something good about you. You think that God loves you because of your good behavior. You think that God loves you because you know the Bible. You think that God loves you because of your mission work. You think that God loves you because of something that you do. You, you think, you still think that God looks at your skills and says, man, I want him. You still believe that like, like, like God is putting together a heavenly roster and you're hoping to make the cut. And so you're trying to work, and you're trying to perform, and you're trying to outdo, and you're trying to somehow make yourself pleasing or beautiful before God. You believe somehow God would like me when I finally get to this place. You believe the lie that God will love you and bless you because the way you perform. Which is why despite your impressive spiritual resume, you can't seem to get a grip on that sin that you're struggling with. Because you're trying to do it on your own. You're, you're trying to just white-knuckle it, pull up your bootstraps, buckle down, and own it. Because you think that somehow God would be more pleased with you if you performed in such a way that would somehow, listen, you can't make you holy. You can't. I mean, you can't even decide where to go for lunch. You can't figure that out. You're not going to be able to make yourself righteous. And our default position as struggling churchgoers is that somehow God is disappointed or frustrated with me and he's just simply tolerating me until one day I finally get it right. That's where we land. Oh man, I know God is so disgusted with me. The Bible says, listen, if you don't get anything else, get this. The Bible says that you don't earn your right standing before God. You don't earn it. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. You do not make yourself blameless. You do not make yourself holy before God. Because the Bible says that before the foundation of the world. Were you there? Before the world was formed, he wanted you. He wanted to adopt you. He anticipated the day that he would make you his today. Listen, he wants to awaken your heart to that truth. Because that truth will ultimately set you free. 
that in Christ, he's the one that makes you holy. He's the one that makes you blameless. How? How does he do that? By sending Jesus. And so here's the deal. Whether you're facing difficult days or you're facing good days, whether you're facing spiritual battles or spiritual highs, God is not done with you. He's shaping you. He's molding you. He's, he's longing for you. He's still chiseling away at those rough edges. And boy, do I have some rough edges. He's still working. He's transforming by his grace. And then it comes through Christ. God's love for you, God's wanting you, God's adopting you has nothing to do with you. Everything to do with him. He's wonderful. Okay, okay so, so why does he work like this? Why would he not allow me to have a part in my right standing before God? Why would he do it? Look, look, in, verse, look in verse 6. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us as adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? This just said that he rescued me and he chose me, not because I have the skills to pay the bills, not because I would be an asset to God's team. He chose me and adopted me and loved me and, and brought me to him before the foundation of the world so that he would get the glory. So that we would say, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise God that he would save a wretch like me. Praise God that he would, he would by his grace, save and secure my sinful self. Blessed be the God. That's the response in verse 3 because of the result that happens in, in verse 6. Bless God. Praise God. How great is God that he would save someone like me. So, so here's the deal. If you're a struggler in here this morning and you have issues that you're fighting through, listen, this truth should fuel the fire of your Christmas. That he's still working. That he says, you're lovely to me because I'm lovely. So, so, so because God says to us, listen, I don't need you to be perfect. Do you hear that? May God, may God say that to you this morning. God says, I don't need you to be perfect because I'm perfect. Listen, I don't need you to be perfect because I sent my son who is perfect on your behalf. That's the greatest blessing that he's talking about in Christmas. The greatest blessing is that the perfect one has come so that I don't have to be perfect. That in him I'm made perfect. No, nothing of my own, nothing that I can do, nothing I can muster up, no strength of my own, but only by faith in Christ. He takes me, he unites me with him, and in Christ I'm perfect. Praise God. Praise God. It is the greatest blessing of Christmas. God, he says, he says I bring glory to my name by rescuing you. That's what I do. 
You will praise me. You will glorify me, not because your good behavior. You will praise me and glorify me because I am the rescuer. God's not glorified because I'm awesome. God's glorified because he's awesome. That's the greatest news. That God's so awesome that Jesus came. Jesus was born. Jesus came to save. So hear me. It doesn't matter how you came in here. Maybe you came in here with a weight, with a weight on you that just says, man, I am, I am not good. I am not clean. I have, I have, I have wicked thoughts. I have wicked motives. Even my good ideas are wicked motives because they're about me. And you walk in here, listen, it doesn't matter how you came in here. Jesus came to save. Jesus came to rescue. Okay, look at me. You don't disgust him. You don't. He's not frustrated with you if you're in Christ. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great blessing? He's not angry with you. He's not angry with you. Some of you are like, how can this be? How can a holy God not be disgusted with me? Some of you are saying, you don't, Kirk, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't, you don't know my struggle. Well, verse 7 is the wrecking ball. Here it is. In him, in Christ, we have redemption. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And his, his grace is so rich, it's so big, it's so wide, it's so deep, it's so long, it's so high. His grace is so big that in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. You are right to say that your sin is disgusting before God because God is holy and he looks at anything unholy and says, that sin is disgusting to me. That sin is deserving wrath. But listen, it says in him, in Christ you have redemption. You have it. You have it. Just If you're in Christ, you have redemption. You, you being made new. You being made clean. Your, all of your ungodly thoughts. All of your ungodly actions. All the penalty that your sin deserves was paid for fully and forever on the cross of Jesus Christ. All of the wrath towards you, all of the wrath toward your unrighteousness was placed upon Jesus Christ. And it was paid for by his blood. Which means Christmas is about Jesus coming. But him coming to die to set us free. That Jesus' coming is that he came to die in my place for sinners everywhere. So every family and all people on all earth could be blessed, any who come to Jesus. That's the greatest gift. Forgiveness of my sins before God. It's given by grace. I need you to know that. Grace is a gift 
It's an unmerited, unfavored gift. It's given to you freely and fully. Forgiveness is given by grace. Uh, verse 8. Verse 8, it says, uh, verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption. And this redemption comes through his blood. And the result of that redemption is the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, is making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. It means that his grace is lavished upon us. Forgiveness is, is overwhelming. It's plentiful. This word lavish, it's so, it's so deep. It's so wide. It's so rich. It's so great. It's like lavish is, is, is extravagant. It's like we're drowning in grace. It's like, it's like we, we, can't even, we can't even comprehend what John 1.16 that says grace upon grace upon grace. Like you don't even know. The, the greatest thing that we can even compare it to is space. Or the ocean. So we sing songs about how deep is the ocean. But it's, it's actually bigger than that. I mean, imagine you're in the middle of the ocean. You're overwhelmed. You're, it's so plentiful. It's so over the top. It's like it's too much. It's ridiculous. His grace is so ridiculous. It's so overwhelming. Which means no matter how you walked in, his grace is sufficient for you. His forgiveness is for you. Listen, wouldn't it be amazing? If God gave us a second chance, wouldn't that be amazing? I love second chances. When I was playing in the backyard as a kid, right, you'd make a bad pass or you you, you hit a foul ball or something. You're like, do-over. That's a do-over. You guys are laughing because you do the same thing. As parents, we wish we had do-overs. Oh, ooh, do-over. Okay, let's back that up. kidding. I'm kidding. Wouldn't it be great if we had a God of second chances? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if the blessing was a, a second chance? Okay, hear me. Redemption by grace isn't God giving us a second chance. It's not a do-over. Grace is so deep that it's third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 490 chance, uh, infinity Chances. But, but here's the deal. He's not giving us grace until we get it right. It's not a second chance. He's not giving us grace until we get it right because he already got it right. He takes the bat out of your hand and says, you will strike out every time. Let me hit this for you. He hits it Every time. He says, he says, listen, you don't need a second chance. You need grace. You don't need a second chance. You need Jesus. That's what you need. You don't need another chance to try and make yourself right. You don't need another chance to try and do over and get it right this time so that God would somehow be pleased with you because he's already pleased in Christ. It's not a second chance. It's grace. It's not a second chance. It's Jesus. And Jesus gives us Every blessing that we need. And Christmas says that he's come. Christmas says grace 
has come. And the invitation to all of us this Christmas is that before the foundation of the world, he wanted you. He chose you. He wants to bless you in Christ. He adopted you. He died for you. He's forgiven you by his blood. And he lavishes upon you grace upon grace upon grace. So regardless of how you come in, the greatest gift I can plead with you this Christmas is to receive the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. The blessing that comes through Jesus does not end in grace. The blessing that comes through Jesus does not end with forgiveness. The real blessing that comes through Christ, the real blessing that comes through grace, the real blessing that comes through forgiveness is that grace, forgiveness, and Christ brings us to the greatest blessing, which is knowing God. It's the greatest blessing. We can't know God without grace. We can't know God without forgiveness. And we cannot know grace and forgiveness without Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered once for sin, the righteous one for the unrighteous, so that, he might bring us to God. That is the greatest blessing of Christmas, knowing God. So I pray that today you would put your faith in Jesus. I pray today that you would cry out to Jesus. I pray that no matter how you came in here today, you would trust Jesus today. May you come to know him in your life because it is the greatest blessing. And may our response be, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Let's pray for that. Lord, I want to be overwhelmed by your grace. I want to be overwhelmed by your forgiveness. I want to be overwhelmed by the fact that you want me. I want to be overwhelmed this Christmas by the fact that you, you genuinely desire me and you see me delightful because, because of you. And so, Lord, today we gather and we remember you coming in a manger because even today we receive blessings knowing you. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today that would say, I, I, I don't know God, I, I don't know Jesus, I pray that you would stir their heart in such a way that maybe for the first time they would pray to you. M maybe for the first time they would pray to you intimately like, like you're very near to them. Your word says that you're very near to us. I pray that we would all do that, not just, not just pray 
abstractly, but we would pray intimately with you right now. Please, Jesus, soften our hearts. May we seek you as the greatest treasure and the greatest gift. Thanks for listening to this week's message. LifePoint Church exists to engage, encourage, and equip through the gospel for the glory of God. Therefore, it is our prayer that the word of God would be an encouragement to your heart and lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would like to support the ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at thelifepointconnection.com give. May God bless and may your life point to Christ everywhere in every way.